0: That um, you know, hey parents, we need your help now because many many times kids come to church and they see other kids get up and do memory verses and they think I want to do that and then they remember to work on it. So they're not here, which means moms and dads, you got to kind of take some more initiative and get get those kids get them prepared. And then Lisa's going to email them a, a GQ card. We are no, not a GQ, <laughs> a, d- <laughs> a DQ card. I, I'm getting my MERDs wixed up this morning, so. Okay, let's just get to the proverb, get to the word of God. Um, Today's the 14th, and uh, I chose this. Where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. Okay, so there's a theme probably that's going to show up somewhere else in the service. Sometimes it's also fun. um, Now, I I occasionally will bring another proverb. I've got another one today, and I want to explain before we do this one. Um, These are African proverbs that I got from a preacher who's gone on to be with the Lord now, and some of you remember John Garlock, and he always had a few funny proverbs that were very profound, and this is an African proverb um, by way of my past friend, um, John Garlock. Live chicks do not thrive under a dead hen. That's a good one, too. Think about that for a while. So, Lord, as we get into your word today, we pray that the one thing that you honor even above your name would be properly honored, and there would be open gates in our hearts to what your word would tell us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I think it's a wise habit to, um, when you come to some um, some pivotal transition uh, transitional time in your life, like when you're getting married, or um, you're, you're, you're you're having a child, or you're going through some kind of a trial, or something like that, that it's, it's really a good thing to stop and do two things, to forget and to remember, to to leave some things behind and to bring some things forward with you, the Old Testament can be a little bit confusing on this topic because there are places in the Scripture that says, "Forget the past," you know, "Forget the former things," and there are other places where Scripture tells us in a different context that we're to remember. And uh, you know, what you remember and what you forget are. They're pretty important. They, in fact, they're exceedingly important. They affect the, the, the trajectory they go on, leaving behind, bringing forward. Um, and God has given us a passage, and we're going to explore that passage over the next couple of weeks. We're going to be in Philippians chapter three. So, if you brought your Bible, or if you have it at home, you got no excuse at home. Get your Bible and put it on your lap, and y- make that sound with the with the leaves opening up. Um, Philippians chapter three, and uh, starting in verse one, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. qualifications, circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. He's n- got all these notches in his belt. A Hebrew of Hebrews. As to law, as far as the law is concerned, I was a Pharisee. As to zeal, as far as zeal is concerned, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever I whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth, of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Okay, same, same chapter, drop down to verse 13. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my, made it my own, th- but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I think if we let the word speak to us here, w- we're gonna find this week five things that we need to leave behind. And um, God willing, next week, um, we'll find five things that we just can't leave behind, five things we're supposed to bring with us. So um, this verse starting in right in one, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord to write these same things. This isn't new information here. He's, this is a review, apparently. To, to write them to you is no trouble to me, and it's safe. for you. I think parents already get this. Um, you know that uh, sometimes you have to tell your kids more than once, parents, right? I mean you do and um, teachers get get it that sometimes you repeat something that's important over and over again. And in fact repetition sometimes is what what drives the emphasis that lets it lodge someplace. That's why Paul's saying to write these same things to you is no trouble to me and it's safe for you. And um, then comes this warning that's that he's apparently already given before. he says, look out for the dogs now. <laughs> He's not talking here about domestic animals, although I would rather he had used cats as his uh, example. But this is a pejorative. This is this is hi- this is a derogatory term. He's talking about people who distort God's word. Okay, so, and and he says, look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Now, the mutilating the flesh—that's not a reference to the Jewish uh, rite of circumcision. Paul is pointing here to what's present in most um, cults, most. Man-made religions, this practice of self-torture, and um, you know, if I if I cut myself, if I if I walk a mile on glass, if I bow to the floor and keep my head there for hours at a time, I'll feel better. If I make myself suffer physically, I can somehow atone. There, there's already one who has physically atoned for sins, and his name is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ took the penalty for our sins and. And, and made payment for sin. Paul's talking here about this practice of instead of Christ to atone, which is that, that idea is for a Christian is real easy for us to reject, and there is a rabbit trail here that commands me to go down it, but I'm not going to, but it's pretty profound, and I'm not going to go down it right now, but um, within Christianity, some people believe that they need to add their own works to the cross of Jesus Christ. That's blasphemy. And it it denies the gospel. Paul is confronting here a very serious error. error, I I don't need um, Jesus to pay for my sin. I'll I'll just torture myself. And he calls those people that would teach that dogs and evildoers. And what's going on here is a very public correction that's being commissioned by the Holy Spirit. Which is very important distinction to make. This this public correction of other people is is being birthed by the Holy Spirit. That's very very holy ground, and it's very very uh, tender area. I mean, I look at our at our culture, and um, I've watched this pattern o- over a, over a number of years, where um, at first people started to be able to make comments and to chat online and. After a while, the civility kind of started to drift away, and people felt pretty comfortable about making comments about others and other circumstances online. And, and you watched the conversations become a little bit more um, savage over time. And pretty soon, what was only really safe to do from a distance because you were on a keyboard somewhere and the other person was nowhere near you— that started moving into the public marketplace, and people started to talk to each other that way. And it happened on, car on, on the freeway and other places where rudeness has kind of grown in our culture. And now it's evolved to this place where um, there's um, coerced bullying. It's like, um, you know, I mean, we feel that we can stand in judgment of people um, over people who lead us. And in every segment of our society, we have this we feel like we can judge our our those who oversee us, and uh, I think we need to be careful. We feel like we can stand in judgment over friends that disappoint us. We stand. We feel like we can stand in judgment over a family maybe that neglects us, believing it's not only our right but our duty to do these things. And, you know, w- we live in a time where, where people can exhibit tremendous compassion. You'll hear about someone who has this. Terrible circumstance happened to them. It's not of their making, or maybe uh, who knows. But but then all of a sudden there's this GoFundMe account where all of this money is being raised to rescue someone from disaster that was not of their doing. And then at the same time, some of the same people who are so generous in that are somehow pounding away with merciless condemnation. Um, you know, using cancel culture where. If you don't believe the way I do, I'm gonna use invective and everything I can to destroy you. All because maybe they won't post the political slogan of the day on their Facebook feed. It's just not right. There have been seasons and, and cultures in history where we have been far too free with our words. Far too free, me included and I just wanna leave that behind. So, five things to leave behind. Number one, criticism of others. Criticism, that's something for us to leave behind. I mean, you know, uh, there's this saying, every time you throw dirt, you lose a little ground. And can I suggest that, you know, when you have something to say, an opinion about something that you feel isn't quite right, talk about the principle, not the people. You know, talk about the principle, not the individual. Criticisms of, of other people needs to be something that we leave behind. It, it's, it's not helping us with our message. It's, it's, it's not demonstrating love. It's, it's not taking us anywhere good. And uh, when we critis- criticize other people, we're really not um, representing what we claim to be valued by us. So um, criticism of the Second thing to leave behind is confidence in the flesh. Confidence in the flesh. He says in verse three, for we are the circumcision now, the Jewish people were very, very, very prideful in their religious rites, you know. For we are are, are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory, which means we boast, or w- with this overflowing, rejoicing, you know, um, it, it wells up within me, It's it, it bursts out of me. Okay, so we glory in Christ Jesus, and then notice the opposite of it, and put no confidence in And um, it's <laughs> this thing about the word flesh. Um, you know, if you look carefully at the word flesh, there is another word in it spelled backwards, except for an extra letter. But it's the word self. Okay, that's kind of corny, but um, put no confidence. I, I put no confidence in myself. No self confidence. None, none of this. You know, I can do it. I can handle it. I can carry it. I can accomplish it. All of that stuff out. It goes. I think we set, us, set ourselves up for better tomorrows um, if we would leave this behind, this flesh confidence. You know, <laughs> here are some things that overconfident people say. Here's one. Hey, watch this. <laughs> they follow that up usually, oh, that hurt. Um, I mean, I, I have this, um, this, this story about, uh, this makes me cringe. I'm going to tell you this story um, f- from when I remember of, of a Christmas church service from probably back in the 1980s. And I, I doubt anybody here would know the person, but some might. So no names here. I wouldn't do that anyway. But this was a church Christmas service. We had multiple services. And there was a gal in the church. And she insisted that she wanted to sing this Christmas carol, this Christmas song. And um, I don't know if somebody told her, her mother told her when she was a little girl, Man, you are really a good singer, or what happened? But she really felt like she should sing this song. And when she started singing the song, it was awful. <laughs> it was just terrible, and um, in fact, it was so bad that um, I, I've, I, I just I repent of my heart of it. There's something it's just like <laughs> it's just like it was so bad. People like acted like they thought it was like a Saturday Night Live skit, and they started laughing, and um, just I thi- it just still breaks my heart going back and thinking about that, and and. I feel like really that the church failed her we failed her at some point someone should have said in rehearsal or something you know this this isn't the best let's work on this and maybe next year or something i don't know but um but it was was crazy things happen when people are overconfident you know how do we get overconfident we 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 believe the wrong message and we 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 have this wrong assessment of self and then you take that bad information and you draw this dotted line to where you think it's pointed, and you get to this expectation out there somewhere, and that expectation ends up being this huge disappointment because it was unrealistic, it wasn't, and it was not proportionate to the facts. And, and um, you know, all of that started from this false self um, sense of self. So we need to leave that behind for sure. And and as Paul puts it, we put no confidence in the flesh. Then he goes on, he says in verse four, if anyone has reason for confidence in the flesh, that would have to be me. So he says, you know, I don't have any confidence in the flesh, but, but hang on for a minute, you know, if there was gonna be any confidence in the flesh, uh, I mean, come on, check me out. Do you know where I went to school? Do, do you know who my family is? Do you know, you know what I've done? Do you know what I've proven about myself? Do you wanna see my resume? Okay, I mean, he, he says, hey, if we wanna do this, if we wanna go there, but then he says, verse 7, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. I'm not awesome because of my business. I'm not awesome because of my family. I'm not awesome at all. God is awesome. (laughs) And that's the moment, you you know, daylight breaks through this discussion. You know, I'm here for him. It's not about me. And the message that, you know, sustains Terry through the years in the decades, is only God is awesome, you know, and so, okay, number three is we want to leave behind this pride of accomplishment, which we just talked about, okay, criticism of others, confidence in the flesh, pride in accomplishment, number four, self-righteousness, okay, here we go, verse eight, indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for this sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ. Okay. Now this is the part of the sermon that my mom would say, "Don't, don't, don't do that part of the sermon, Terry." So, Mom, you can get up now, and go get coffee or something, because you're not going to be proud of your son in the next couple of minutes. Because um, this Greek word, rubbish, skubalon, I, I, I think that the this is the only place that this word appears anywhere in the New Testament only one time the Holy Spirit put this in there by intention and didn't allow it anywhere else. And you're going to get why in a minute. I think the translators uh, when they decided to put the word rubbish um, in there they were being, well first off they were filtering a little bit for us and they were being charitable and probably sensitive um, because um, they're probably motivated to try to be a bit gentle. But the Holy Spirit here um, you know they've glossed over a little bit what the Holy Spirit was really saying. The most accurate English word for skubalon is our most common, crude term for why you have to change a messy diaper. Silence is in the church. Wait a minute. Pastor Terry, uh, why did you make me think of that word? Listen, the Holy Spirit wanted you to think of that word. Believe it or not that was an inspired by the Holy Spirit word that was written into the scriptures at the pen of Paul, inspired by the Spirit. I'm not trying to shock you, but I also don't want to gloss over God's choice here of words. You know, what I've done, what I've accomplished, my business, my family, my finances, is that. (laughs) It's that word. Mom's going, you know, Terry. (laughs) But it's that word. That's what our accomplishments are in the eyes of God. I've suffered the loss of all things, and I count it as that in order that I might gain Christ. There is this eternal view we could take. The problem isn't just that these things are worthless. It's that the worthless keeps me from the priceless. I mean, I have to have my hands empty to pick up the things that matter the most. We know that proverb that says, you know, um, pride comes before a fall, Proverbs 16. I wonder if it's possible that prayerlessness comes before pride. You know, if you want to check yourself on this topic, you can measure whether or not you live by, I can do it, you know, I can handle it, I can. If you, w- you can find out whether you live by that, by by how much you're praying about the things that concern you. If you really believe you got it covered, you're probably not praying about it. Then in verse nine, um, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. There's a kind of righteousness that, uh, you know, kind of holiness, a kind of goodness that comes from doing, doing. You know, I gave to homeless people. I I, um, I carried that thing for you. I, I, I picked that up For after you I served in these ways. And that's a self-righteousness, you know. And Paul says, that's not what I have. He says, you know, here's the thing self righteous people are slowly walking themselves to hell. And that's what the cross is all about. Timothy, Timothy 3, verse 5 says, not by works of righteousness which we've done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. In Ephesians 2, for by grace you've been saved. And this is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God, not the result of works. Nobody can take credit for this. You know, you can't be good enough to get to heaven. You can't work your way there. You'll die. Trying to work your way there, you will die, and you'll end up in hell. And I- if you've if you've sat under preachers or you've never sat under preachers, but if you sat under preachers and they told you differently, the Bible is very very clear on this. Here are the words of Jesus: I'm the way, and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. <laughs> so I got to renounce that I can do it thing, and 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 I have to put myself upon this. Jesus did it. Jesus paid the penalty. For my sins, and so, so that now that I can be forgiven, and I have to believe that, I have to make that personal, personal. Not enough to know it; you have to embrace it. Embracing means by faith you believe that Jesus Christ died to pay the penalty for your sins. Has that happened to you? Because if it has, you know when you know when God looks at you. He doesn't see you. He sees the righteousness of Jesus, his son. So here's this big question. If you were to die and stand before God right now, and he was to ask you the question, why should I let you into heaven? What would you tell him? What would you tell him? If you say, well, you know, I was was a pretty good guy for the most part. You know, you'll be partway into your speech. You better hold on because the floor is literally going to open up underneath you. Bad answer. (laughs) The only right answer why should I let you into heaven, Terry? Well, God, you shouldn't. Accept. You know, I, I believed in your son, I believed that he paid the price for my sin. And I believed it was a choice of love he made for me. And your word said that if I believe that, and if I confess it, that, that I'd be saved. So because of that, <laughs> you need to let me in. And God will say, enter in. I have no question that's going to happen. None. <laughs> you know, so that's what baptism is all about, by the way. It's like, baptism doesn't save you. It's what saved people do. It's, it's, it's them testifying that I've had this life changing experience, and I have died to the old man, and I'm new, and it's just a public testimony of the fact that that's happened. You know, by the way, we're going to figure out a way to do baptisms in spite of social distancing and all that, so um, pay attention, and if, okay, first off, if you're saved and you've never been baptized, get in cadence with what the Lord has has told us. Repent and be baptized. Get get baptized, and you can do that by contacting the church. There'll be information on the webpage. We'll figure out something. We'll figure out a way for us to to obey the Lord's command on that. And um, we'll make it work. So um, anyway, so this is not something you want to roll the dice on. You know, you don't want to be standing there thinking, okay, there's seven people in front of me talking to God now. I think think I'm saved. I think make sure (laughs) you don't want to. That's a bad plan. Today, today is the day of salvation. Everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's awesome. It's in Acts 2, and it's in Romans, the book of Romans. You could turn from your sin right now, right now, right in that chair you're sitting in in your home, and just say, I know I'm a sinner, and I need, Lord, I need your forgiveness, and, and I know that you died for my sins, Jesus. You just say that, and he'll forgive you. He promises. He says this, too. All that the Father gives me will come to me And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Awesome. So awesome. No matter who comes, no matter when they come, I don't ever send anybody away. That's what Jesus is saying there. So I got a rhetorical question for you. And um, rhetorical means you think the answer, you don't say it out loud in case you're wrong and then you're not embarrassed when the person you're sitting next to, okay? So um, you've made that decision and um, you have that reality going on in your life. Sticky question coming. Are you righteous? Are you, are you now righteous? <laughs> the answer is actually no. No. Um, the bumper sticker says it like this. It says, Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. Um, you know, we're forgiven. Absolutely. The righteousness of Christ is applied to us, but, when, but we're justified in faith through him. If you get into um, justified means that, that to be we're declared and treated as righteous. Paul talks all about this in Romans chapter three. You can look about this. None are righteous, no not one. Um, and, and, and he points towards justification. Yet there's something about us you know, carrying our Bible and going to church regularly and go, you know, following the Lord that makes us start to think we're righteous. The problem is that we might think we're righteous but then we go on and we have sin in our life. We're not righteous. And, but we think because we're doing these things that we're doing well. That were righteous. That's the enemy. Those thoughts are the enemy. You know, if if uh, if we could take out of the church the damage done by our self-righteousness, you know, it's everybody's tendency to think, you know, I'm I'm doing better on the curve <laughs> than a lot of people. Um, you know, don't look at my sin list. Let's look at that's let's look at that person's sin list self-righteousness is this massive blockage to the, the kingdom advancing. It just is. And you go to any street corner um, and ask 100 people what they think about Christians, and this answer will come up real quickly. They'll, they'll, they'll say, well, Christians, they're, they're kind of icky. Um, well, What do you mean? Well, they sit in church, and they're kind of mad at their pastor for saying the word on instead of the fact that they are. Okay, so... Um <laughs> Self righteousness, we can leave that behind. Okay. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, there's this question you know, What do you have that you did not receive? Paul points out that, you know, come on, everything you have was given to you. What are you taking credit for? 1 Corinthians 4, verse 7. Okay, criticism of others, flesh confidence, pride of accomplishment, self righteousness. And now Paul's just kind of shredding all this stuff. And then the last one, um, number five, past focus. Past focus. Philippians 3, verse 13. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. You know, how many people, if you could go back, you'd do things a little differently. (laughs) I'm in the club. You know, life maybe is a little different than you planned. um, How many people are standing over spilled milk or or plans that went south or lines that have been drawn that can't seem to get crossed now? And I, I think most people would have areas in their lives that maybe could be described as these open impact craters, um, these places of damage, places of hurt. And in all sensitivity, maybe the person sitting next to you has suffered much more severe hurts, or maybe you're the one with the more severe hurts. I don't mean to minimize that in any way. But sometimes we choose a path, a trajectory, if you will, where we orbit the crater. Constantly keeping the crater in view. And then we tend to become wary. We're wary. We avoid the risk of pain again. And uh, so we adjust how we interact. We adjust how we love. We adjust how we forgive based on the fact that we keep seeing that impact crater, that hurt in our lives. The other alternative is that we modify um, our view. And we move that impact crater out of the windshield. the Creator's impact and its view gets smaller over time, either because we forgive or because things are healing. And I don't want to stir those things up or bring them up. I mean, it just hurts my heart to think about you know myself as well as m- where I just, I'm sorry I took you in the last few seconds, but there are just some things we need to leave behind. We just need to leave behind. And ultimately, in God's grace, He's in charge, You know, he's making all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called called according to his purposes. It will work out. But it's hard to break free from, you know, past focus. And for a lot of people, as I was talking about these craters, for lack of better description, um, I think many people were thinking about specific craters in their own lives. And, you know, that disappointment, that thing that happened, thing that was said to you, thing that was done to you, the thing that was taken from you and we take it forward to today and again to tomorrow, and, and it's just not right. And we have this conversation playing in our mind, and it's playing over and again and playing over and again, and we become damaged people because of these things that we just have never resolved. And there's this old axiom at work now, hurt people hurt people. Every person, admittedly some more than others, have been hurt damaged or impacted by people. And it shows up in a lot of ways. I'll give you a few examples of how it shows up. Okay, so one example is uh, we'll call a skeptic guy. This guy blocks his feelings. He, he doesn't trust anybody. His arms are folded, and he's got this internal conversation playing. By the way, don't always assume because somebody has their arms folded that they're <coughs> skeptical. Sometimes this is just more comfortable physically, okay? So just don't start judging on the outside, right? Um, okay, so skeptic guy. Another one would be conspiracy guy. This is the guy who's, you know, there's there are th- conspiracy theories all over the internet. I suggest you stay away from them. Um, but people who spend their life stirring up fear for the people around them. And then there's hermit guy. Hermit guy is all pent up and isolated and and uh, a fear of being hurt, and, and um, doesn't need people. It actually needs people a lot more than he realizes or she realizes. And then there's robot guy, just decides to be cold as ice. He's the ice man now, and he goes to work every day, and he slogs back and forth, and he's carrying this burden, and he doesn't respond. He's maybe kind of a zombie and um, walking dead. Okay, And then there's the just-out guy. This person always, new friends, um, new places, new things, new, 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 new. New because i got to have whatever's just out because I don't want to deal with the old stuff. Now listen to me, please. I am not judging you. I, I'm not judging any of this stuff. I would just encourage you to get to the bottom of it. To get to the bottom of it. One way to help you get to the bottom of this is to join with a bunch of people who are right now deciding, I'm going to leave some things behind not trying to be overly simplistic, but there are choices that we all make with what we're going to slog along and carry with us. And sometimes it's best to just drop it, trust the Lord, and move on. And there are people who are saying, I'm just going to let go. That's a suggestion. And we will learn, and the, the Lord has given us, and we'll learn in future messages, some tools for um, you know, forgiving and forgetting and and you know, what that means and how to do it from God's word. Um, but sometimes we just need a reset. <laughs> just need a reset. Sometimes we find ourselves in a situation where we really don't know what to do, and you know, if I say something, I could say anything. It's going to be the wrong thing, and if I don't say something, that's wrong too. <laughs> you know, if I'm here or if I'm there, if I'm up or I'm down. You know, my boss at work, I can't ever make him happy, and we find ourselves in this this situation. We just don't know how to fix it. I would suggest this too for you. The first step does not have to be the entire journey. Doesn't have to be the whole journey. So if you want a computer, or a cell phone, or an iPad, or a Kindle Fire, and somehow it starts acting odd, you will find that sometimes all you have to do is a reset. Just this simple reset. Turn it off, turn it on, and all of a sudden, and it's an important concept because, you know, I wonder how many people today just need a reset. Just a do-over. You know, I'm really sorry for how that came across. Could we just start over again, kind of a thing? Or, um, you know, in the grace and the mercy of the Lord, can we we go there and try this again? And you know what the most loving thing is, is when a person can swap places and say, hey, hey, Terry, (coughs) let's start over, because I don't think you realize the way that came across. And Terry's going, oh, thanks for the reset, thanks for the grace, yeah, let's do that. You know, that's a loving thing when you have the capacity and the maturity to swap places and help someone else reset or help your own relationship reset when you're the one that's been wounded. Wow, takes a lot of love, maturity to do that. There are no enduring relationships anywhere without forgiveness. You realize that forgiveness, and um, yeah, it's such a good thing. We just hit reset. Today could be the day where you wrap. Uh, forgiveness around someone who needs it to help them reset and for you to help you reset too. So next week, we're going to talk about five things that we need to take forward with us too. Let's pray. Lord, I want to talk to you first about those who were stirred by your spirit just a few minutes ago and realized that today is their day of salvation. Draw them, Lord, we pray fill them with life. Help them to share their decision with someone. Help it to take root. Let it be in fertile ground, Lord, we pray. We pray, God, that you, as you fill them with life, that you would put people into their path who would coach them and help them to know how to walk closer with their Lord every day. And Lord, for the wounds that we've just talked about, it's complicated not so simple as just deciding to drop and go but that's one of the steps you would call your children to so all of these five things that you've asked us to leave behind Lord help us to do better on them and to do well not because it makes us closer to you but because it makes makes us enjoy life, makes us enjoy growth, it makes us enjoy maturity it helps us Lord to build life into people around us at the same time. Now, Lord, um, for this day, we just also take a moment to pray over our nation. God, we ask for the miraculous to happen. We ask, and I specifically would like to ask God for you to hold back fear and hatred. That God, you would specifically separate them and hold them back and muzzle them and hold them to be voiceless Take away their teeth, Lord, we pray. And instead, God, let your church take its place, bringing light and life. We pray, God, for a move of your spirit in our land, and we ask God for mercy. This season needs light and life, and where we might be that salt and light, Lord, help us to, 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 to represent you well. And God, carry us through this week, we pray. There are so many things that we are already carrying, and who knows what's gonna be next in the news. So help us, Lord, to find our faith pointed towards you. Your word says, seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness. Then these other things, they'll take care of. So Lord, we seek you. And we do this now in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.